Okay, Franklin. Can you hear everybody okay? You need a touch from him? Frank Jasper, uh, it's weird to call you Frank Jasper because I only know you as Frank, but it wasn't until like three years ago you were shoot. Like, you're shoot. <laughs> Brian Shoot from Vision Quest is one of the most iconic roles ever. And this is me speaking before I bring Frank in. When I saw Vision Quest, the movie, I had this weird thing in the 80s. I knew something was going to age poorly because of how 80s it was. And I remember the, the soundtrack, the Vision Quest, I remember thinking, well, Lunatic Fringe, but uh, it's getting it's hard after that. It's real 80s, this movie. But then this guy came up stadium stairs with a giant log across his back in a Christ pose. And Matthew Modine says, hey, shoot! And the... Uh, Frank Jasper is shoot in the movie. He's just, uh, he's one of the most spook. I gotta start this whole thing over. I'm fucking rambling. Frank Jasper, how are you? <laughs> You're fangirling. Not really. I'm trying to, like, I'm, I'm aware of how fangirly and guy people get over things, especially shoot. Frank, uh, Frank Jasper playing Brian. Shoot. S H U T E. Shoot. Frank Jasper is my acupuncturist now, and he's a bona fide, according to me, healer. You've straightened me out a few times there, brother. Oh, nice. Good to hear. Well, you knew that. Like, you've said some things to me that were really... Um, it, this is like a dual podcast because I obviously want to talk about the movie Vision Quest and, you know, going from a bodybuilder at like 220 down to 185 in a couple weeks just to get the part. And Matthew Modine, I'm, it's just an iconic movie. And you're such an iconic person in the movie. Uh, but I met you through Scott Lab, Hall of Fame coach, uh, Santa Ana Wrestling. And my dear friend, your dear friend, and I couldn't believe it that you uh, to say you are an acupuncturist is really beneath you. It's uh, you're a healer. You, you this is what happened when I first saw you. First saw Frank Jasper with acupuncture. I've had it many many times before. He put the needles in me, and then usually I take a nap. Oh no, not the case because my man starts <laughs> chanting, hey, 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 and I'm not mocking you at all. But I know what I know what key it's in. I believe it's G. Like that, right? And then there's a higher one that makes my actual needles will vibrate in my body and weird things will connect. What is that? Where do you learn? If you're listening right now, yeah, shoot from Vision Quest, but he's my acupuncturist and he chants while he heals me. So I don't know, what to, I, I don't know how to get into this either. <laughs> when you're chanting, what, what is it other than just simply chanting? What are you? What's the purpose? What, what is the purpose? What are you trying to do with the chant because it's very effective to me yeah. well we found that sound moves energy through the body so i can move sound through somebody by doing tones above them or drumming we did a drumming session with with jay last time he was in and that pounding will just break up energy in the body um and the toning will also activate different chakras and open the body's chakras up so that they're more balanced so it's a way of um, taking the, t the acupuncture um, session up another notch. And if someone's open for it or to it, then you can, instead of walking, you have a chance to run with healing as a concept, always creating a safe space to allow the person to go through whatever process uh, or reconnection or rebalancing or releasing whatever they need to release or connect to in that moment. That's That's been a, a profound experience of mine with you, Frank, and that is I had shoulder pain from wrestling really bad. Both shoulders were racked and wrecked. And then you, uh, the left one, you just said to me, what are, you, what are you holding on to? What are you holding? And I was like, I don't know what to tell you, bro. I, I have shoulder injuries from wrestling. I thought it, I didn't say it, but I'm like, easy, pal. I don't know. The hippie, dippy Topanga Canyon stuff is bullshit going on. And then he goes, no, 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 what are you holding on to? And I go... And then I pictured I was walking through the woods as I was laying there with my eyes closed. And you said, yeah, 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 keep following that path. Oof. Then I pictured the ocean and you said, yes. And I knew what you meant. I knew you knew that I was thinking about the ocean. And then you said, what are you holding on to? It's okay. You're si and I started crying. And I remember I went, I don't have anywhere to live. <laughs> like I was sobbing right there yeah, on this table. Right there. And it wasn't like I don't have a structure. Like nowhere was home. I didn't feel home anywhere. And now I feel very home. 
And that was a big one. Like that had me driving home, scratching my head, like what the heck just happened? And like everything we think about, you know, we, we assume everybody's a charlatan and a fraud or a snake oil salesman. I'm here to tell you guys, my friend Frank has moved my molecules around profoundly and I'm so grateful for it. And your insights and stuff that you share with me are great. When you said uh, we know that sound moves energy through the body, who's we, you and Corey? Yeah, Corey and I got this I didn't down. Know this. But also, if you go back, you'll see that the monks uh, do toning. And their per, pro, part of their process is to open different chakras. The higher the tone, the higher the chakra, down into the lower chakras. I personally learned from a woman named Rosalind Briere, who ran the Healing Light Center in Glendale. I would go and study her courses, and she would give courses at night. And she talked about... What are the courses, though, specifically? Well, it was about... Um, what energies we hold in our cellular structures. And so she would hold a class and we would start every class with chanting in the beginning to get everybody connected and just balanced because throughout, you know, whatever we're doing here in LA, we're being hit by all sorts of energy, by radio waves, microwaves, cell phones, people screaming, people, you know, trying to cut us off in traffic. And, and so we have these challenges on a daily basis and our bodies are, vibrating in these uh, what they call fight or flight and we never get a chance to do either usually we're in the side of a car and we're usually like can't run we can't fight or if we do then then you get yourself in trouble so you have to find another way to kind of process and toning will be one of those ways to release energy if you're you know if it's pent up in the body how would it leave i know literally you're releasing energy by making a sound yeah. that's not what you're talking about i don't think so how how does my body release negative energy through toning like is it through like excrement is it through sneezing cough you know serious question though. no no it's absolutely a serious question it allows a vibration to break up that vibration that's being held in the body so it's as if it's a, a puddle and you come in and you and you throw a rock in the middle of it and it changes it so what we first have to do is we have to identify the feeling. We have to identify the motion that's stuck in that cell. And then we can go, what is that? And then you can either give it a voice. You can, and some, some people laugh. Some people cry. Some people scream. I've had people take pillows and just scream into the pillows during one of the sessions on the table. That's what they, they didn't have a needle do. in their face. Even with the needle in their face, man. I'm telling Ow. you. They scream and they don't even think twice about where these needles are. But I actually, and just to go back, it's like for me, the energy gets set by the acupuncture and gets set by what we do in the beginning here, our intention of what is it we want to do. Healing occurs and it, it impacts seven lives ahead of us and seven lives behind us. This is what the Native Americans talk about in true healing. Wow. So when you're digging in and what you were digging into was... Um, these are life, life threatening. This is life or death. It's like, where's my home? Where's my tribe? Where's my life? Where do I live? No more tribe. Yeah. And so you found like you were, you didn't have your, your connection there and you, everybody needs a connection to a tribe, to a place, to feel sheltered. That's the first step, you know, to survival. So you're back to survival and that's where we go back to. When you do toning, is there a, um, is there when I tell kids to meditate, coaching wrestling, I don't say even life coach clients. I don't use the word meditate anymore because they go in the other direction. They get freaked out by it for some reason. So I'll just say sit quietly and just just concentrate on being there right now, here right now. Is all you got to do, which is meditation. But there's pushback a lot. Like, I know I just can't in this. When you start chanting, can you vibe out when that person thinks like, what the fuck? This guy's a maniac. Because like, I'm pretty open-minded. I'm all about the hippie and the dippy. Yeah. But I got to think, if just Joe Jock comes in off the street, he's going to be like, all right. Oh, yeah. I've had, I had one gentleman who is, was very um, – he was studying uh, for his degree in psychology. And uh, we worked uh, specifically with him and, and talked about his inner child. And it was the first time that he said that it wasn't just a conception – that he actually saw his inner child and had a dialogue with his inner child. Mm -hmm. And so during that session, I also did what I called toning. Well, when he reported it uh, to his friends, he goes, oh, yeah, and he does this thing called howling. He howls during the session. So even if he doesn't really know what it's doing, 
he feels a profound effect from oh, it. Good. So you don't have to consciously know what it's doing. But if you've ever been stressed and if you've ever just done like what we call primal screaming, you feel this complete release when you do the primal scream. That's interesting because I've never had a release feeling when I've screamed under uh, supervision. You know, the person I was supposed to be telling you to do a primal scream, I always just felt like I was a bit of a show. It was like mm. kind of a show. Yeah. Like you tell me to do this, I'll feel better. I'm like, right, well, if, I, if I'm doing it when you tell me to do it, it's not a primal scream ever. So if I feel it viscerally yeah. into it, um, the got to connect with the feelings. You got to connect right. with the emotion. You can't just this scream. Is like, scream. You know, cognitive behavioral therapy was just like, why don't you do a primal? It's like, okay, this yeah. isn't working out. So the movie Vision Quest. I want to segue quickly here, and we'll circle <laughs> back because the enormity of this thing to me, and the speech that it's not what it's not the six minutes. It's what happens in the six minutes. Right. That guy that works at the restaurant, Matt. One of the most underrated speeches to me of all time. J.C. Quinn. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. J.C. Okay. Um, how did you get the movie Vision Quest? It's an interesting story. So It's crazy. I was just going to Eastern Washington University. I was in the athletic training program. I was working with athletes. It sounds like the Soviet Union. What yeah. does that mean? I was in the athletic <laughs> training, training program, program under Ambassador <laughs> Dublin. And, what does that mean? You were under the athletic training program. So it's, it's, uh, you're basically studying pre-med and you're getting where, you know, you, if you get your athletic training degree, then you apply to PT school. I'm embarrassed. So you're an athletic trainer. You work with all the athletes on the football team, the basketball team, volleyball team, track team. I completely so get it. I now when I, when, when the football team shows up, every one of the athletic trainers is in the training room because there's over 72 people that have to have their ankles, tra- you know, taped. I, I need to quantify real quick. Please. I thought you meant like you were you were studying athletic training like you were under the big umbrella of like I have sport <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize it was like you're actually an athletic trainer it's an actual degree there you go All so right. and Sorry. it's and it, it involves putting in 4000 hours in the athletic training room you can do that today. Though. So, yeah. So now I have all that Western medicine background. I have all that, you know, sports background. So I have that to take with me to bring into this, you know, this uh, clinic as well. But anyway, I'm there as a student. I'm there as a student athletic trainer for the wrestling team that semester. Scott Glab was one of the wrestlers in that room. What? Yes, that's, that's where I met. kidding me? Scott Glab in that room at Eastern Washington. You were one of his trainers? I was his only trainer. In that season. Oh, my God. What? I can't believe that. Look how expertly I hold the mic away from my face and raise my voice, you know? Now I get real serious and quiet. Wow. No, I didn't so know So I'm that. sitting in there. Why weren't you wrestling there? Because I, would, I had gone and, and was an iron worker for four years. Um, and then decided, hey, I don't want to be an iron worker when I turned 50 and be working in these conditions. I was working on the nuclear reactors out at Hanford, Hanford site. Hanford site was the first place where they took the plutonium for the very first atomic bomb. So that's how old the end reactor was out at the Hanford site. And it's just out in the desert, outside of the Tri-Cities, middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, but you vision dig a quest, hole. Then, vision Quest, baby. How'd you get the movie? So... <laughs> So I'm in that I'm in the I'm in the wrestling room, and this kid comes in that was wrestling for Eastern Washington, but now is in the movie as an extra. His name is Rick Thiefault, and Rick is sitting there, and we're watching these guys wrestle. And I had, you know, just been sitting there reading my textbook, and he says, "Hey, you know, I'm in this movie, and we're we are um, You're we're shooting. Yeah. We're you know we're we're going to shoot in a couple weeks, and you know it's like um, they're paying me money to wrestle. It's just crazy. It's really cool. I mean, so he's a wrestling extra. So, so he's a wrestling extra. You'll wow. see him in the scenes. You'll see him in the classroom. He's in the wrestling room. He's he's he'll see him in a lot of the scenes. So he says, "Oh, you know what? They're still looking for somebody. They're looking for somebody who's six foot tall, blonde hair, muscular build that can wrestle." And he looks at me and he goes, "That's you." And I'm like, "Nah, nah, nah." And he goes, no, no, talk to the casting director. She's super nice. You got to go check this out. Fast forward, I agree to do it because I was bouncing, you know, to make money to pay for my, I was paying for my own education there at Eastern Washington. You were like the white Mr. So I went to, you know, I was bouncing on the weekends, you know, as a bouncer at a place called Slab Inn. So I did nothing but break up fights all (laughs) night. 
Gay, and uh, I gay got bar? paid like around 25, 30 bucks. Gay bar. Slab in. No, no. This is country western Sla- tobacco like, chewing. Like, yeah, like I said. Tobacco chewing. <laughs> slab in. Slab in. Bone out. Slab in. It's where all of the cowboys and all of the other, you know, people from Spokane, Washington that couldn't drink would drink there because it was, the age was 19. So I could either go there and break up fights or I could go maybe be an extra in a movie. So I said, okay, I'm going to go check this out. And if I get the role, I'll be an extra in the background and I can see how a movie gets made and I'll get some money, pay for my education. Fast forward, I walk in, the casting director, she's, she looks at me and goes, Here, here's the sides, I want you to look them over and then we'll go through them. Is that a casting office? Uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a casting office in, a, in downtown Spokane. It's in a hotel. The, the so they of just show tr- business. <laughs> so the, yeah, the I, hotel. I'm assuming that's where you guys filmed the movie. Then. In Spokane. Then it makes a lot more sense. In okay, Spokane. Go. It was on, filmed on location. The guy that wrote it, Terry Davis, was from Spokane area. Amazing. And he was a, you know, a writer and a teacher that taught writing. Anyway, so I walk in there. She hands me the sides. And I was like, oh, Rick did not tell me this guy had lines. <laughs> like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. This is, like, ridiculous. So, Rick. Rick. I'm, so I read. And I'm nervous, and I make a mistake, and I kind of laugh because I'm nervous. She looks at me, and she goes, we're looking for intensity here. If you make a mistake, just continue on like nothing's happened. Got it? I'm like, Jesus. Do you remember what those lines were? Got it. Do you remember your audition lines? Yeah, it was right from the stadium scene. Here. Yeah. You don't have to act them out, but can you no, say them? We'll do it in a minute. All right. All right. But anyway, so I read through the lines. She goes, okay, great. So what did she do? She goes, she gets on the phone, calls up the director, Harold Becker. We just walk down the hallway. He goes, he wants to see you now. So we walk down the hallway. I walk into his office. He goes, okay, you know the lines now. I've read them twice. I've read them twice. You know the lines now. He takes the sides out of my hand. He goes, let's do the scene. They know iron workers. They know how you guys what? memorize lines. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> do Bouncers I do? and iron workers. They do just I have do photographic that? memories when it comes like, to the tactile word. I believed him. There's a part of my brain that went, yeah, I do. Somehow I know the lines. Sometimes it's all it takes. It just, and so I bought into it. Got through the scene. He goes, okay, now i got to see if you can wrestle. So then I had to go and wrestle for Cash Stone, who was the coach of all the you know extras. And he was actually the referee in the final scene. Mm-hmm. That's Cash Stone. Um, so he had to see if I could actually wrestle because there, was some, there actually is some demand that you have to look like a wrestler in this movie. So, <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit. So I, I passed that. I do a few more auditions. Then the final oh, audition to comes. Another guy. Yeah, so the Wait, final I audition. That you mean? Here it comes. Is that I find out that the producers have a guy from California that they like. They're bringing him to Spokane. the The director likes me, so he's in my corner. So then now they're flying in with this guy from California. And so I go in. They're bringing in shoot essentially. They're, well, they're bringing in the guy that they think is shoot. I mean, but think about it, like. You're Modine, that guy, like, you're just some guy off the street, literally. They're flying this guy in. Yeah. He's coming in with producers. Like, yeah. Whoa. Not only is he a good wrestler, he ended up being not, a, he was a good wrestler, but also he was an actor. So he had, and he was in good shape. Should have acted like he beat you in this wrestling match. <laughs> and so now I show up and I, I'm, I go over there to do the scene with the, for the producers and the director in front of the well, casting just, director from L.A. because they've flown but up. you're not in wrestling shape at all. Not at all. Is the other guy? He looks great. I mean, he's in great shape. Frank Zagarino. Frank you Zagarino. Were, was, wow, and he's, okay. done, he's done a lot of B-movies. He's so in great he shape. He's his part. He's, all, he's definitely been wrestling live and getting ready for it. He's in, yeah, he's, he's quick. He's fast. Anyway, so I am walking over there, and Harold comes out, comes out of his office. He walks up to me, and he goes, when you come in here, he says, I want you to stay intense the entire time, no matter what. Got it? And he goes, smack! And he hits me up and slaps me upside to the face. And I was like, Ugh! I just gritted my teeth and I go, got it! He goes, that's what I want. So it's like, <laughs> I'm going in for a wrestling match. Your coach slaps you, right? Yeah. He did it. He, tried, he, knew yeah. what, he knew what to do. He knew what to get what he wanted out of me, out of me. Look across the mat, they're making out with the uh, other you got a slap, you got a kiss. So I walk in there, I do the scene. The casting director is, is the one that cast this role twice before it didn't work out either time, so there's a lot of heat on her. She's up in front of them doing the lines Wait, with me. Say that again? The woman that was the casting director for Vision Quest, had ca- they had cast this role twice before. Neither one of those guys worked out. Two and a half weeks away from starting filming, 
and she had to find somebody. And so the heat was on her. Now, I got cast on location by the local casting Did director. Did we get past you wrestling? Like, didn't you have to do a wrestling? Not thing? yet. Okay, good. I want so to make now, sure we're going in order. Good. So, okay. yeah. So, I'm doing the scene with her. Now, I walk in there and they go, take your shirt off. And so, I take my shirt off and I'm standing in front of this group of people, you know, being introduced. And I'm just staying intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and I do my lines. And I walk out. And I said to my cast director, what's going on? I said, did I look ridiculous up there? She goes, why? Why? She goes, because every line that I did with the woman that was a casting director, Nancy Clopper, we'll use her name. Okay, it's out there. Um, she looked at me and she would just like shake her head because everybody was behind her. So nobody could see what her face was doing. So she was, she, I thought that I looked completely ridiculous by her reactions, right? She wasn't reading the lines oh, like Matthew wow. Modine. So I walked out and I said, so what was that about? I asked my casting director, what is that about? She goes, oh, well, here's the deal. This was cast twice before, and now it's heat on her. She brought somebody. She's trying to trip you up. She wants her guy to get the role. I was like, oh, so the game on. This is how this is, this is played. Game on. Game is game. Game on. Game is game. So then we gathered everybody up, and because the wrestling coach hadn't seen this guy wrestle to see if he can really do the role, we go over to the set where they're filming. They stop. They have a mat out there. All is lit up. The cast, cast all the crew stands around the mat. We, I get on the mat with this guy from L.A., and we go back and forth, like single leg takedown, double leg takedown, you know, just duck gunders. And when he, you know, the coach is yelling off, we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. At one point, he goes to pick me up. I can tell he's a little off balance. So I leaned a little bit more into it, and he stumbled with me on top of him, you know, kind of picking me up. Yeah. So it didn't look good because I'm like, okay, this is how this game's played. We're going we're, we're gonna to play it. We're going to, like, I'm, I'm going to take my advantage whenever I can. I got off the mat. John Peters comes over. He goes, you got the role. And that's, and he goes, I'm going to cut your hair. And that's how he decided that he wanted like the tight sides for. Yeah, it's almost shoot. like a bowl cut. It's like a crew cut, but it's almost like a Julius Caesar. But it's almost like he's just a simple man haircut. <laughs> he doesn't want to have to deal with anything. It's so tight on the side, you see his skin. That was never done before. But now you look at everybody's got that haircut. Around the wrestling so community, right now, thirty-five guy, years later, that haircut is popular. I had it a month ago. I gave myself a mohawk poorly. <laughs> what um, what did they tell the other guy? Do you know? Like, uh, did they say you got it in front of him? He was over away. John Peter just came over, and he oh, and he's what just a like, long dude, flight home, dude. With the same people coming in, the casting director just eye roll emoji in him the whole way. Oh. So there I am. I get the role, and they don't, all they say to me is like. You know, we need you to lose some weight so you get closer to Matthew Modine's size. Now, I look on... 114? I look in the, you know, uh, I read the script, and it's like 168. I'm thinking, I'm at 215 pounds. I'm bodybuilding. I'm bulking up. I'm eating five platefuls of food a night just to put on weight. I'm trying to gain, getting ready for a bodybuilding competition, 215. Or... They could cheat what the scale says with a separate shot. <laughs> I know. What do I know? Once you step on that mat, though, there the comparison is going to be a well, little. Still, obvious. like when I watch the movie, it's funny you say that because I always found it absurd. Yeah. That Matthew Modine had to cut weight to get the shoot. Wow. Because you're so much bigger than he is. Right. But when you guys actually wrestled in the movie, were you close to the same weight? I think we actually were close. I don't know what he weighed. I lost twenty five pounds in two and a half weeks. Oh, my God. So it was, you know, we talk about cuts. You know what cuts are. You've I don't been believe a wrestler. You know the whole thing. I just keep the shit off. Yeah. Dude, it was it was the ma- most massive cut I've ever done. It was you know, a, when the, it's for show business somehow, it's lit. I've done uh, the opposite. I had to put weight on for Street Kings. How much? 20 pounds. And how did you do it? Uh, Donuts, milk, s- no, it was pasta, muscle, 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 like decacycles oh. and oh. sets of two. Okay. Sets of two. Five and reps. Then, then push-ups in between until exhaustion. I would go home and have diarrhea and vomit from the trauma of the workout. Like a car accident. You go home, you shit everywhere. I'm like, oh, man. Sets of two. Nice. You're going for the- I was jacked. And uh, had a nice fake muscle. Anyway, so I know what it's like to go up. It's like yeah. a dream. Like, yeah. oh, right. I, right. Finally, I have to get stronger. But to cut 25 pounds. I was in so much pain. I was... So I went from five platefuls of food a night, which would mean I would have a plate. <laughs> I know. It's absurd. I, it's like, so I would start my day. I would start my day with six eggs, and then I would stuff, you know, um, hard-boiled eggs in my pockets so I could eat on the, you know, throughout the day. 
and I'd come on and I'd have lunch at the at the Eastern Washington Commons where the they serve food and you could eat as much as you want, come back as many times. So I would hit lunch and I would five platefuls of food. Dinner was it was it was part of my training program, like five platefuls of food before I could leave. Before I could leave for bodybuilding. For bodybuilding. Yeah. So I went from five that. plates for dinner. Yeah, yeah. Would you have nine rectums like? I just would eat. No, no, I would just eat and I would walk and hit the can I love before his, I would go anywhere else. I love the hookup. He's got the whole city wired like they got it over there in the commons. And I know we got free donuts at the Holiday Inn Express down here. Not a sponsor. Anyway. Uh, so then how – that must have been the most traumatic cut of all time because you had to change – not a little. You had, to cha- you had to revolutionize your existence. My direction completely flipped 180 degrees. And so I went from you know three meals, five platefuls of food – pounding pounding the food anything i can get in i got in down to two meals a day i had some eggs uh, whites for breakfast i had salad for lunch with uh, some tuna and a squeeze of lemon and that was my last meal of the day and then i would get on an exercise cycle for an hour and i was going down so fast that i could just feel my muscles were catabolizing it just ache i was just like like burning it's like they're just burning because they're breaking down for energy you know i always that was your first time you had acted Yes. I never knew that till right now. I, I thought you, I thought I met you, the actor, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. I just thought you were an actor your whole life. That's it. I didn't know that till right now. So how, I know how intimidating it is for me when I audition and earn versus when I uh, am offered a part. I feel like a complete imposter if I'm offered something and I have to really win everybody over and make sure they know I'm a nice person. But even when I audition for it and earn it, it's still like, hey, who, hey, guy, super more famous than me. So I got to think not acting at all. And all suddenly you have like a Christ pose and you're, you know, you're being shot like this, this God. That's was it intimidating or was it the old adage like too dumb to be afraid? Second, exactly. It was like, you know, to to be without even any thoughts or knowledge. So it was just like, ah, okay, the power, power of ignorance, right? How old were you then? Power of ignorance, 26. And so all I said to myself was, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm making a commitment to this. So I, when I make a commitment to something, it's I'm all in, like you. It's like I'm all right. in. And there's just, I'm going to give it 100% no matter what it takes. I'm going to get the best job I can possibly do. I'm going to drop the weight. I'm going to re- know my lines. I'm going to hit my marks. I'll do whatever they tell me to do. That's what I'm going to do. And so for 10 weeks, I did that. And did, there was, did you have imposter syndrome about like never having acted before? Or was it? Oh, I didn't think twice about it. I was like, oh, I'm going to go get paid. I'm going to go I do think this. this, this now, is fascinating. the other part was that they, the, I get it. The character, the character that they created was not even seen until a certain distance into the movie. Everybody talked about it. So it was like this huge build. And then when, it, when I'm first introduced, it's the scene in the stadium. It's like, that's the craziest thing, right? Yeah. Like he comes in to, to check out his competition. With the Mohawk friend. And Cooch is with him, and he's Cooch. like, yeah, I don't know, man. This is really kind of crazy. I don't know if you should do this, you know. And Oh, I got to do it. I got to meet him, at least get this crazy thought of, you know, who he is out of my head. So it's possible he never had seen him before that in the movie. Maybe Matthew Modine's character never I'm sure he's heard of him. He's, he's a two-time state champ- champion, yeah. In the 80s, you know, there's not a lot of DVDs floating right. around wrestling. So it was a legend. It was Paul Bunyan. He had to humanize him maybe to keep going. Because I think one of Matthew Modine's best sentences as an actor ever is in that scene he giggles you go are you gonna make the way he goes i don't know <laughs> i hope so and it's the most it makes your character not want to devour it like he's a human being it's really weird and you go i hope so too it's the kindest you are um, and i'm realizing that's the first time we see shoot I've seen the movie so much that I'm like, so in the arc of your character, that's the first time I've laid eyes on you. And right. I'm like, so you're hum- like, there's a weird, there's a love there. Like there's a, there's a, to there's me, a recognition. I was just going to, you saw, so yeah, there's a, you recognize namaste. Yeah. Like I see, I see where you're going. His, I see the fire. I see what you're trying to do. He, you see, I want he, you to do it. He knows the absurdity. Yeah. I, I hope so. Yeah. I hope you show Cause I'm going to pound you. That's my thought. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to get you on the mat. And I'm going to take this log just like I do this log. And I'll throw you. How out. heavy was the log? Wasn't a real log. Wasn't a. Re- it was hollowed to some degree. It was more awkward than anything. But it now, still weighed like eighty pounds. Yeah, something like that. Crazy. But the craziest no, part. No, no, no the craziest part wasn't the weight of the log. It was the coldness of the day, oh, because it was case, the yeah. sun was out. But Everything it was so cold in the Pacific that. Northwest. They all are. 
and and you could see everybody's breath, and everybody had uh, parkas and and he's in dolphin shorts. Yeah, and I'm in shorts and a tank top, trying to pretend like I'm sweating, which was glycerin, by the way. It wasn't sweat. I'd never need help sweating on. No. no, I'm a pig. Um, when you you go to the premiere, did you go to the premiere of Vision Quest? I did. And where was that in L.A.? Or? That was in Spokane. That I okay. went to. I'm asking this because I'm getting choked up even referencing it to the side. Jerry Maguire, when I saw my name, or I had a single card, but when I first came on this screen, no, when I saw my name, it was over the planet Earth during the Hue, the Who's Magic Bus Live at Leeds. I just, I just sobbed. Wow. At the beauty, the magnitude of it. It was a picture of fucking Earth, Frank. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite bands. <laughs> this is Earth. Tom Cruise is being, like I just absolutely I'm getting choked up now. Like this there's no more arguing what is happening now in this life. I'm a fucking actor. There's my name right there. This is not a mom and pop movie. You know, it's Sony, it's a hundred and whatever million dollars. So when you're watching yourself for the first time on that fuck I don't I'm I'm gonna say you did maybe I don't know, I don't think you had single billing up front. Because you were an iron worker. I had no representation. Right. And if you look, you won't even see me as like one of the cast until you see it. It's not one of the f- main names. I'm not even on the main names. It's like, wait till you see the list of casts, and I'm way at the bottom. Like, and oh, you're by and far me. the most famous thing from the movie. It's not close. Shoot. You know, okay. I can, there's, there, there are great scenes for different characters. Matthew had, by the way, Matthew did a great job in this. I agree. His character, his, his kind of finesse with the funny and then the serious and then the anger and the confusion. I think that was fantastic. And then Linda killed her role. Ron Cox was fan. JC Quinn hit the, you know, six minutes, not the six minutes. Wow. That, that like, there was monologues throughout that, like beginning of the movie with, with Matthew, JC Quinn, the end of the movie with Matthew, that are just beautiful expressions of the moments I and didn't times of the. There was that, yeah. In the beginning, he's jumping rope. Ah, I just turned eighteen. I haven't done anything with my life, and uh, this is year I don't make my mark. And then at the end, he goes, and then this is about for all those people who live like this is their last day. This is the only day, and this is their last day. And so you got to hand it to those people that go out and live like there's no tomorrow. Like that was his ending thing. Kind of, so you've got both of those beautifully written for those. Do you know the one we're talking about with the guy that works in the restaurant with Matthew Modine? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, and he talks about Pele jumping upside down and backwards. Upside down. Backwards. And I sat here and I cried. (laughs) That a human being could do. Could lift me up. A human being. Yeah. All I knew about human. So (sighs) whatever happened to the other actor? They're going to play shoot. Oh, he he went on to do a lot of B movies. He had a great career. He was a trainer. I don't know where he is now. I stayed in touch with him and just said good. hi. You're you a know, good dude, Frank. Jasper. I like him. I like him. Like Frank was a good man. Frank How, Zagarino. When you Frank Zagarino, when you uh, are at that premiere and you see yourself on that screen for the first time, what was? Just tell me. Oh. That's. The scene is is just that iconic scene. It's just so insane that it's like I just showed up. I stepped into the role. That was my job. I did the job. When I was done, I went back to school. I had no thoughts. It took them a year, by the way. I did the the weight cut th- two more times. Oh, they had reshoots. So we shot for 10 weeks. Oh, I no. shot for 10 weeks. Then three months later, I get a phone call. You definitely had no representation with had, a, a, no. A, a role the size of shoot. The fact right. that you worked more than two months, yeah. somebody did not. They nope. spread you all over that board like, we need an asshole that'll work on Hanukkah when it's raining out with no, well, we'll, we'll call Frank Jasper. <laughs> I'm here. He doesn't have I'm any here. representation. Better than bouncing. Yeah, you could be doing <laughs> Better that. than bouncing. I mean, I'm guessing that's like a four-day role. <laughs> shoot. Probably, well, no, the wrestling, how long does it take to film wrestling? It has to be insanely off. I know basketball. How long that takes to shoot something like that? It's in, it's like, how long would yeah. it like um, the final scene was like sixteen to eighteen hours, three days, and then two eight days that followed eight hour days that followed that. So we'll say four days total. So five working days. five working days, well, right. and yeah, then yeah, you yeah. have two regular days, and the rest were all sixteen to eighteen hours. So you so have three days, and you're just all beat up. I don't care what you are; it's just from rubbing. 
Like I was had burns on my arms and stuff from the chafing because all the you know the singlets and stuff were brand new. They weren't wash washed. They weren't soft and broken in. Man, these things were like stiff and. Were there any, did you have any injuries during the making of the film, Vision Quest? So one of the things I tell people is everything that Matthew, his character, went through in Vision Quest, I actually went through in real life. And one of the things that happened is like during the filming, I got elbowed in the nose, and it wouldn't stop bleeding. So it's a little bit like you know he hits his nose bleeds yeah. and for no You're reason, a but um, yeah. So they had to actually cauterize it on set with what chemicals. The guy oh, like, like, like put a lighter to like a coat hanger thing or and, yeah, no, it's Oof. just like chemical cauterization. Uh, what are you gonna do? Like honestly, this is what makes wrestlers. I think. Like I was like, like when you okay. say that, everybody goes ooh, but when you say it, I'm like, I don't just fucking do it. Let's get back out there. Yeah, I know we did. Like it's gonna hurt. Okay, whatever. <laughs> like I'm bleeding. I can't. I, well, I'm gonna lose if I can't. Oh no, no, give it to me. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. Pain's just a thing, man. Yeah, just a thing. So. I guess more specifically, and I need to land here on that question, I didn't have it queued up properly, is were you aware you were watching such an iconic thing? And you were, because I was aware I was watching the guy that fires Tom Cruise, and I knew this is, this is enormous. I Huge. was aware. Yeah, no, that's a great role. It's like Steven Tyler going like, I just wrote Sweet Emotion. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> the yearly story is like, <laughs> like, oh, it was a throwaway. Like the Rolling Stones, like, start me up was a throwaway. Like, no, Sweet Emotion wasn't a throwaway. He, like, Sweet Emotion, it's about... It's just weird. So you didn't, you were not aware of how iconic that was. When when did it start to dawn on you that you were a part of American history, as far as you know, th- f- cinematic American history? Hold on, that's my ride. By the way, there's no way that Ladder Company sixty nine is needing to lead that quickly in this direction because in two miles there's Ladder Company twenty four. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Right, right, right hey, down bro. on sunset. Must be lunchtime. <laughs> Those are good dudes, man. They used to let me go in there and lift with my son when he was a baby. Oh, nice. My son didn't lift. Either. Oh, they're cool. But I, had no, I was climbing the walls. I had nothing yeah. to do. So I'd be like, you want to go look at a fire truck? He's like, yeah. I'm like, let me get a couple of reps on the bench. Stop fucking around. <laughs> like, you want some eggs? Don't push it. I told these guys. So uh, when did you start to realize the the magnitude of Fr- Brian Shoot? So the the film came out. I went to the, the premiere. That was great. It was fantastic. I kind of missed it because I was partying. So I was a little bit of partying mode, and I was like, I sort of missed kind of the whole, the big part of that. Um, that that no, I, that nah. I, anyway. You, you were the part. You know, I, I, I get it. So anyway, so I went back to school. Been there. Three months later, I get another call. That was, I'm talking about filming now. It was like, we filmed for 10 weeks. I went back to school. Then I got another call three months later. Now I'm at 217. They need me back down. We need to do one more scene. So I had a month this time to drop the weight. So I said, fine. So I drop the weight. I fly to L.A. We shoot one scene. That was the bathroom scene. You're a bleeder. That wasn't even in the movie originally. If you can uh, believe wow. that. You know, my knee-jerk response great scene. is like, well, I'm not fucking going back. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. But then when you said it's that scene, I'm like, I got to go back. I, yeah. I put myself in your shoes each time. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is how I would think. So then I shoot. I go back to school. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I did what I needed so to I'm do. Now so now I go back to bodybuilding. They tell me I once had a penis. I'm 340. I haven't seen it since the race shoot. I'm a fucking pig. They call me again. I go it just back. keeps going and going and going. It again. Then I was Jabba the Hutt. They said, we need Jabba the Hutt. So they called you back a second time, though? So after, after the filming originally, there right. was the first, th- after three, and then after three months again, now I'm at 225. I'm weighing 225 pounds. And I'd say, listen, uh, they called. We need one more scene. What scene was that? That scene was the was the weigh-in scene. No, no, wait a second. I'm sorry. You that scene have... was the bathroom scene. I'm sorry. That was the bleeder scene because I was wearing the jacket in that one. The previous one, I came for the weigh-in scene. I came into a weigh-in scene for them. Let me get the door for you. Right. And so. You could have renal failure with all that cutting. Yeah, you can have a lot of damage. Oof. You just don't. You know, it's dangerous to drop massive amounts of weight. Yeah with super fast and there is a way to do it correctly and this is what i this is where i want to go with uh you know what i've learned as a as a bodybuilder and as a you know healthcare practitioner i'm going to bring that knowledge and really help all the wrestlers uh, that are willing to listen 
how to really kind of go about this, that you can actually drop the weight. You can actually maintain your weight and have energy if you do it correctly. And there's a really simple way to do that. And it isn't, I don't want them to yo-yo. I, and I don't want them to starve themselves. I don't want them to dehydrate. There is a way that you can do that. So that's what I want to leave it with. Anyway, so 225, I got to drop the weight. Oh, because I was yeah. opening the door. I don't want to you yeah. know, be maskless opening the door. I'm a, I'm a conscientious uh, pandemic yeah, My wife person. just came by to grab our dog. So Jay went and got her, let her in. Um, so anyway, I said to them, like, okay, I, I'll go down to 200 pounds. I, I can't go all the way down to 189. By the way, I weighed 189 for the film filming of the movie. So at 4% body fat, which I've never been at again or probably ever will be. When you were filming the movie, if you could redo high school wrestling – Go back. You would have went to state, right? And that I would only hope. Fat? I would only hope that I would go to state. You know, and perform that well. I just wrestled three years in high school and then wrestled in a, a, at a college level for a season. That's, well, that's huge. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. I'm aware. I, you know, I didn't wrestle a season in college. Yeah. But what I was going to say is, when I was one seventy eight five point five about a week ago. Now I'm probably one eighty even. I realized I could easily get to one seventy and wrestled. Yeah. That means I would wrestle Luke. I'd kick, kill, kill him. I would kick his dick in yeah. the dirt every. I would kick the shit out of him. I realized, like, he went to state. Yeah, that was alarming to me. Like, oh, and high all school the, is all that changes high between the different. ears. Yeah, it's your brain that changes. Yeah, I think so. Marshall and and all goes. It just clicked in my mind. If you run through somebody's face over and over and over and over and over, the running back, over and over. And I always tell my wrestlers, I'll play him the clip. I go, he didn't learn any plays. He didn't go to the weight room. It clicked in my mind that if you run through somebody's face, he says over 14 times, and the interviewer goes, think there's a deeper metaphor there? And he goes, run through a motherfucker's face. It's a, like it clicked in his mind. Yeah. I, I really believe that wrestling, once after like your freshman year, it's all mental. Working out is mental. Showing up to practice is mental. Getting up in the morning and going for a jog before breakfast is mental. Meditating is mental. It's all mental. The now, I have seen guys that were just jacked, and they got away with stuff in high school that you won't get away with in college. Yeah, yeah I'm just going to muscle this guy. That, that will happen in high school. Virgil you'll Hunter, shoot, uh, you'll shoot from 10 feet away so and good. grab or an die. ankle yeah, and, no and get a takedown. You won't get guys. that. Not you, my guys. Yeah, you won't get that in, in, in uh, college-level you know, wrestling. There's just a whole other level. And I think that... Like you talk about, there's just this understanding of of wisdom that comes with being around it. That I, I wrestled a kid that was at Eastern Washington who was a state champion, and I had only wrestled like at the college level about you know two years ago. Um, and then I was in the wrestling room getting ready for Vision Quest, and so I wrestled with him, and I was like, "This guy's a state champion!" Like, oh my god, it's like. He's just so young. And I think he was 170 pounds. So a lot of times in high school, 170 pounds isn't built. They're just kind of fat. They're kind of sloppy. No, 170. They're uh, usually like 6'1 and real skinny. Yeah, they're just they're not, chubby ones. They're just right not, they're not developed yet. And he well, wasn't developed, but it was like he was developed more than the other guys that were around. Did you work this kid in the room? I just, it's like there was no, it's like I took him down when I wanted to. I worked Careful, him on the though, ground. But the dosage size oh. is. He's more aware than you of the dosage size in the arena of the wrestling room, like Shark Pate or whatever. I'd be curious to see you guys get out there. And I, I, I think you could take – I know you could beat him. I'm just saying it's like I got guys that are so great in the room, and then they wrestle like a, a Herb someplace, and it's like, oh you're, oh, you're great in the room. I just learned that about you now. Okay. Like I just learned that. But that's not who you are, and that's not who that kid was either. But, but s- the mental game is the key. It really is a key. It's all it is. It is the key. I mean, you get these kids that will phase out, or they'll get they'll blow out of their bodies, or they won't stay grounded, or they'll they'll self sabotage, or they or they do all those present. things that aren't that aren't you know yeah. setting themselves up for you know to win. Hey, uh, I've never said this before. If you have a kid that's a wrestler uh, and you want some um, get a vibe of what I'm doing, Coach uh, JJ37 at gmail dot com. Coach JJ37 at gmail dot com. I mean, if, I never thought of this before. Corey, be my witness. I'm like, hmm, you want me to train your kid? Like, you could be there the whole time. But I know what I know. What I'm doing is what we're talking about. Yeah, I, you know how to build them up and get them to work with their body and their mind. It's it's all mental. Yeah.
it's just all mental. I, I mean, I, the workouts I'm doing with like Peanut and Eric in Malibu is lowering a paddleboard over the railing onto the beach and then bringing it back up. And then I'll stop because the paddleboard weighs a lot. It's a huge one. It's like an aircraft carrier. And I'll hold it. It's in air. And my, I'm all like, my back's like, I to go. And I look over my shoulder like I'm talking to somebody. And Eric and Peanut, they both looked over their shoulder. I go, you know what I'm doing right now, by the way? They go each separate workouts. They go, no, I go, I'm catching my breath because I'm fucking freaking out. But you know what? Back up, up, up. You wouldn't know it. You got to keep that face, that face. You got to just look like you're going to the office. And you will, it will be detrimental to the other guy that's getting up in the third period going, oh. You just keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up. Keep face. attacking, keep attacking. And Don't show you how. Because you can hear, and you'll hear these guys go, yeah, I knew when he quit. I'm like, what? It's funny you just said that. I just knew, I knew when he quit. I knew when he gave up. I had to work. Yeah, you can feel it. Uh, uh, in Sam Sheridan's book, A Fighter's Heart, when he said it, I went, Oh my God, he said it's like a, he was quoting a, a jiu-jitsu guy who was in MMA, I don't want to get the name wrong, but you can feel when you break someone's spirit, it's a little bit like a twig snapping, but with, but with energy, like, and it's in your sternum, the same place it's in his, and deep in your gut, you feel it, that's what you're talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. But think about it, when you're really exhausted, that crazy, I'm, this is not, I have to go to the hospital, it's, it, it's the same place. That burn in your gut when you're—it's not your lungs. You get that metallic taste in your gums. Then it's your lungs. Then you're just heaving. You get a little tingly. But when you're down between your hip uh, bones in your gut, you feel that flame in there, man. That's that's when you're done. Now I also have to, you know, comment on that. It's like you're not going to just go beat people wrestling mentally. You actually have to go and show up and do the work. Because well, if well, you're depleted, yes, if you're depleted and you have no wrestling cardio. I don't care how strong your mind is. Absolutely. You're going to get your butt yeah. kicked. And you know there's no way I, so, I didn't. You're, you're doing that for the listeners. Yes, you. I am definitely saying like you've got to put in the work work. and when then I say it's all mental to the then listeners, it's mental. what I mean by it being all mental is you waking up and running before breakfast when it's still dark out is a mental. That's your decision, your choice. You getting rid of your friends, getting rid of any idea of having a girlfriend – for I mean, this is a very tiny amount of time, but that's all mental. Making sure your grades are A's because you have to get A's because there are no dummies in a wrestling room because we know time management. And if you're not getting A's, you just said, screw it, and you're lazy, and that's not what I'm looking for. And I'm just saying it's, it's yeah, mental. Mental to do the reps. Mental to do these in slow motion alone 100 times so that when you're that gassed, your body goes, I got it. I yeah. know how to do this. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you something, brother. I love you. I, I love you. And I've told her I love you. Like, you really made a profound impact on my life. And one time I got on his table, and it was after I cried. I have nowhere to live. And we were talking about Aldo. Mm -hmm. And I was like, he's a great guy. And you went, he sure is. And that was the last thing we said before my acupuncture. And in that acupuncture, my mom came to me like the MasterCard logo, like two circles coming together, but of light. And then just while you were chanting or tuning howling is the guy's toning that became like uh as bright as anything and she said look who you're surrounded by now it's what she only thing my mom ever mm. says to me and she says it to me twice a week mm. look who you're surrounded with now and it was you one because you were right here and you were caring for me and it was aldo who was a dear friend and it inspired me man you know, in boxing, there's a thing when uh, people don't realize that when a fight gets broken up because a guy is taking a pounding, the referee jumps in front of Mike Tyson or whomever in harm's way, and he waves off the fight. You can picture it right now, right? But what nobody realizes is that referee hugs the other guy, too. He holds him up. He, he holds him and hugs him. That's how I feel about you. Like, you kind of hugged me when I needed it. I was mm -hmm. knocked out, brother. Mm -hmm. So we'll do this again. We'll get more out of... It was two trying to ride two horses in one yeah. race, and that's because your healing is. It's I don't know what the word. It's it's a big deal, yeah. and uh, I'm going to say Years. this: you were reluctant to speak on a podcast about the tuning, howling, yeah. and the thing and the deal and the connecting and moving the energies and stuff. And I Corey will back me up. I go, no, no, no. This is the exact place for that. Mm -hmm. This audience is. We're all. We know there's more. There's always more, until there's no more. But there's always more. They want both. Yeah. The, the healing. Yeah. I, I owed it to you and uh, your business that you do so well that has healed who they're listening to. They all rooted for me, you know? Yeah. And it's, it, and also, 
it's a it's it, we're never done. That's the other thing that's people right. don't get is that it's like, oh, can you just can, can you just fix this? Can you just give me a pill? Can I can I just do? And it's like you can, and then you still won't heal the issue. But if you look at the issue and you go deeper and you feed the body the right nutrition, you can actually heal from things, and then you will just open to the next level. And as long as we're in physical form, we're 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 pulling we're dealing with that onion we're pulling off layers we're trying to find our next thing i had the great fortune um at the end of my father's life who died of cancer and went through chemo went through radiation and i watched him slowly be burned down to nothing and then go into a coma and for three days i had uh sat in a room with him with my hand on his heart and i could just feel his energy was processing all the stuff he had never processed while he was alive. I could just feel this process going on. And there were people in the room and then upstairs that could feel it too. And it's like, isn't this interesting? Maybe that's why people hang on because they're still processing. But what would happen if we could actually just get through all the stuff that we can possibly get through and we have no like, like, like attachments that we have to you know, hold on to resentment or anger or uh, fear or, or something that keeps us stuck here, stuck in this realm. We're done. We can release it and move on to the next. Because I just think it's just, hey, I'm going out of this room. I'm going to change clothes, go into that room. Yeah, that's that's the way I look at it. I, I'm really a big believer in multi- lose the clothes that are no longer working for me. Yeah. Well, we're also just you know it's like change the suit, change the earth yeah. suit. For me, it was like swimming with my clothes on, and felt like, and I had to just I had to stop doing it. That was what you said was so beautiful as you were saying it. I said, I make sure you don't say anything after this because that's a perfect way to close the podcast. <laughs> Frank Jasper, my friend, and uh, let me tell you something. I wrote down uh, some things while you were speaking. Wrestler, iron worker, bouncer, actor, healer, f- husband, friend, iconic. That's you, my friend. Whether There's nothing really you can do about all those things. <laughs> That's a pretty big deal. And I'm honored to be a part of all of that. You know? Yeah. We're honored to have you on More Stories <laughs> Family. Put your name on it now. Right. now you're going to come back, though. We'll... Uh, We'll really tighten up the funnel, though, because I okay. just wanted to introduce you to everybody. All right. Hey, uh, Moriers, this is my friend Frank. <laughs> uh, thank you, brother. That was great. Awesome job. Shoot. <laughs>